In today's show, we look ahead to Friday in the NBA. All of the action, the streaming options, the next five days, what we're doing short-term, injury updates, blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and Substack JoshLloyd48.substack.com. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this week with more odds, props and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's look at these games. We'll talk about some injury updates as we go through them. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right. First game is Hawks and the Hornets. The Hawks are one-point favorites in this one, but there is big injury news here. Clint Capella, old, uh, old mate Clint Lisa needs braces. He's out for one to two weeks with a calf strain. DeJounte Murray remains out. The Baptist John Collins remains out as well. Um, Cody Martin remains out for Charlotte. So does so is Dennis Smith Jr. So there's lots of things happening here. Anyeka Okongwu will be the starting center. He's a pretty clear ad. He, he is a pretty clear ad. I think he's a priority ad even over Dante DiVincenzo, even though there's a chance that Okongwu's value does not, or it's almost definitely not going to last as long as what DiVincenzo's is. Right, so Okongwu is a great ad, but we, we, we've seen a couple of games where he started with Capella was out when we had the aforementioned dental pain, and he was mid. Like, he was a, like he didn't blow us up, did he? He was fine. And a lot of people have asked me this question, you know, do I add Okongwu or Kessler or Okongwu or Duran? And, like, I think you could make the argument that Okongwu and Duran might produce the same value now, but Duran's got a better opportunity to do it for longer periods of time. Yes, Maybe Okongwu does do more than Jalen um, over this little period of time, over for a week or two. But when we're looking long-term, I, I don't see it there for Onyeka. I also want to watch DeAndre Hunter, who had a 20-point quarter last game. He also had um, three quarters that totaled five points. But he does have extra opportunity with extra opportunity for rebounds with no Murray and Collins, extra opportunity for shots with no uh, with no Murray there, or not, uh, not Murray and Collins, with Capella and Collins. Extra opportunity for shots with no Murray. He's been pretty mid in most categories. But his scoring has taken a little bit of a tick up with these guys out. So let's watch that. I do not think he's anything more than a short-term streamer if you're looking for points. And you're all well aware of my thoughts on DeAndre Hunter as a fantasy fantasy player for the Hornets. They have welcomed back LaMelo Ball. And Gordon Haywood is likely to return in this game. So what does that mean for Kelly Oubre Jr. and Jalen McDaniels? I think that Haywood will stay on the bench for this game. And they will work him back into the starting line. But someone needs to move to the bench. And I think it probably will be Oubre. It still absolutely befuddles me to see him be focused in on as a number one offensive option. Yes, that is probably the reason why they lose every game and they have a pitiful offense and defense. But it's been happening. So I want to see the impact on Haywood here on Oubre, on McDaniels, as well as LaMelo Ballback. I can't see McDaniels remaining as a 12-team league guy. Your sell-high window is so just slightly ajar after he put up a big game last time, Jalen McDaniels. Oubre's is open a little bit longer. But I really do think both of these guys are going to drop off. 
but I want to see it. I've been wrong on Ubre all season. Maybe I'll continue to be wrong. Maybe he is actually legitimately good. He's not, but maybe he is actually legitimately good. And we'll see where it goes. I still can't fathom giving him 30 usage, but it's what's happening. So we want to get... This is going to be the first time, I think, if Haywood does play, that we have seen this team play with Ball and Haywood both active. And we still don't have Cody Martin back. Not that he'll necessarily be back anytime soon. So we want to watch it. We want to see what happens there. Kings and the Pistons, second game. No one is out. Now, Marvin Bagley isn't on the injury report. He left last game with knee soreness. So that does change quite a bit here. We know that Isaiah Livers is out. And in Sacramento, Fanapants, Kevin Herter, he missed the last game. He is officially questionable with ankle soreness here. With him out, it was Terrence Davis that started. And Monk got a big boost. Monk is the guy. And then Davis is the next option as a stream guy there. What we do want to watch is Keegan Murray because the evidence with him playing and Fox playing is that Murray struggles. And when Fox is out, Murray's value jumps. It's really hard to look at Keegan Murray as an absolute must-roster player. He's in the Jaden Ivey, Benedict Matherin group of even maybe the Jalen Williams group of guys that you hold and you hope things really fire up in February or maybe January. But if we're just talking current production and production this week and next week, he's not there. I also do want to watch Darren Fox because he has yeah really struggled with his shooting. Like The numbers are just in the toilet which is what it's been like for a lot of his career. I do think that he has probably trended too far in that direction, and he's a little bit of a buy low. The minutes were great last game, 41 minutes on a back-to-back. Um, so I don't think the foot's bothering him, but I want to know what's going on with his shooting. Now. Do we, can we expect some level of improvement? And then for the Pistons, let's watch Jalen Duran. Because last game, he played like 36 minutes. And I think... The minutes were up because Bagley played nine. So, what is Jalen Duran's playing time? Because the game before he played 24, the game before he played 28 as a starter. 24 minutes of Jalen Duran is borderline 12 team league. 28 is probably 12 team. 30 plus is definite 12 team. I think you want to have him on your roster, but do not get suckered in to what we saw last game and go, ah, right, here we go. It's all happening. All right, because that was as wrong as it might seem to you and me as outsiders. That was because they still prioritize giving Marvin Bagley minutes. So that's what we want to watch. What does the minute split look like there? We also want to talk a bit about prioritizing the wrong guys. We want to watch Alec Burks. Alec Burks. Because they are consistently cutting Jaden Ivey's minutes. His minutes over the last six games, 28, 26, 22, 27, 25, 26. As Burks' minutes have started to rise. Burks has played 20 plus in four of the last five games and had a massive scoring game last time out. He's an interesting stream option. I wouldn't say he's a 12-team must roster, but he's stepping it up a little bit here, which is um, annoying, annoying, but also intriguing. It's the holiday season. You're out having a few drinks with mates. A few become a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy, but it's not traditional daily fantasy. This is better. It's just player projections. You don't have to worry about salary caps and going up against thousands of people. It's you versus the lines that are created. So you go in there and you look at Nyeka Okongwu over under, say, seven and a half rebounds. You go, oh, I'll take over. You look at DeAndre Hunter over under rebounds at one and a half, and you go, I'll take under. And you put up to two to six of those individual lines into one entry, and you can win up to 25 times your entry fee back. It's fast. You can do it in under 60 seconds. Um, it's available in over 30 US states. It's available in Canada. And there's multitudes of sports. It's not just the NBA. It's disc golf. It's NFL. It's college football. It's college basketball, both men's and women's. It's European basketball. It's cricket. It's MMA. It's golf. It's boxing. It's bloody probably swimming. I don't know. There's so much different stuff over there. So check it out. Download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, let's go back to look at games now. Pacers, Cavs. Cavs are seven-point favorites here in this one. We know um, that Daniel Tice and Kendall Brown are going to be out. Chris Duarte is also going to be out. He remains in the G League, looking like a return coming next week for him. Um, Dean Wade is out. Rick Rubio is out. Uh, Dylan Windler is out in Cleveland. In Indiana, what we want to watch is Isaiah Jackson. There are a few misconceptions going around here. I think that Jackson's a drop. I said he was a drop probably two weeks ago because it just didn't appear that they were even going to prioritize him, even if Miles Turner got traded. And the likelihood of Turner getting traded feels like it's getting lower and lower every day. Right? They are using Jalen Smith as the backup center now and not Isaiah Jackson. Right? So I think that he's a drop. You could hold through the trade deadline, no problem. But even if you do, with the way things are trending, there is no guarantee he even plays 20 minutes, even if Turner gets traded. And the reason we loved him as a stash is we thought, yes, he is going to be 27 minutes a night if Turner gets traded, or when Turner gets traded. And now those two somewhat certainties of big minutes and a Turner trade feel like distant possibilities. The other misconception around Jackson is people think, oh, well, that's fine. You know, we'll, uh, we'll clear some minutes out in here. We'll, uh, maybe they'll trade Jalen Smith so that uh, Jackson and Turner can play together. No, Jackson never plays power forward, ever. Right? He never does. And Turner is a center. We have seen he's a center. Like I know he played with Sabonis, but that was trying to fit two square pegs into round holes. Turner is a center. Jackson never plays with him. And then there's people like, oh, well, well just wait. Maybe they're going to trade Isaiah Jackson. Like, you're just hope, hanging on to hope at this point. Like, I could say that for anybody. Oh, what if he gets traded? I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think you're better off, in most cases, cutting your losses. Let's see what we do with Andrew Nampard. I think he's trending towards a drop. I don't... Look, last game was bad. The game before was good. The game before that was bad. He's had some good games next to Halliburton, some bad games next to Halliburton. What it is feeling like, though, is that if Halliburton goes big, it's really hard for Nampard to do it. If Halliburton struggles, Nampard could pick up the slack. And that makes it really tough to hold on to him. I think we do it one more game, but this is an extra data point here. For the Cavs. Dracaris. Dracaris Levert coming off the bench. Last game, I think he's more indicative of what to expect from him versus the game two games ago. I do not think he is anything more than a 12-team streamer. Points leagues, you can go for it, no problem. Category leagues, is too much damage. And then I also watch Darius Garland, who is a buy low, but he is really struggling. I wonder if it's his eye, but the shot's not falling. The usage is down. Mitchell is just dominating this team. And it's impacting Garland's value. I don't think we should look at Garland as a top 30 player. Probably top 40 is more realistic now, but there's still a little bit of a buy low window available. The next game is the Boston Celtics hosting the Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. 
Boston is a gigantic 12 and a half point favorites. The Magic are, of course, without Gary Harris. What a shock. Jalen Suggs, yeah. Wendell Carter, Chumra KK, Jonathan Isaac. Every dickhead is out. We continue to get no updates. This team sucks. But Boston, oh yeah. With Boston, it's good news. Al Horford is back. Back from his personal issue, right? Well, sorry, he's questionable from his personal issue. I think he's back. Rob Williams is likely back. So don't expect 28 minutes from Rob Williams. I think that's really unlikely. Maybe 20 minutes is, is a more realistic expectation, but he's back. On the Magic side of things, I want to watch Bol Bol, who does one thing or two things every game where you go, what, what the hell was that? That was amazing. And then he does another thing where you go, what are you doing? And that's basically the Bol Bol experience. He's been up and down with minutes 19, 31, 30, 22, 27 over the last five games. And I still maintain that he is going to lose some of his value when those literal five rotation players return. But for now, you keep rolling. If you get a top 60 player in a trade, I would do it. If the trade offer you're getting is a top 100 guy, I wouldn't. Because he maybe can maintain top 100 value. But there is still, we always just wanting to watch what the play, was the playing time look like? How does it go? And then Marco Fultz, who was brilliant. And then against the Raptors, he was terrible. And this situation is going to do my head in all season with him and Anthony trading value back and forward, back and forward. Fultz is the guy that I favor because he is the starter. And in general, when you, you're looking at where the value goes, just always marginally lean the starter in that spot because it's just easier for him to get those minutes. Because if he plays decently, at the, you know, when he's starting the game, they're more likely to roll with him. Or if he plays good, they're more likely to roll with him. If he plays poorly, then they can go to the backup for a few more minutes. But majority of scenarios, play well, play average, keeps him in a starter's minute roll, I think. that That's how I approach that. For the Celtics, we want to see Horford and Williams back. We want to see what it does to the team and then how the trickle-down effect works, what it means for Grant Williams, what it means for Derek White, what it means for Malcolm Brogdon in particular. You know that Cornette and Hauser are going to lose out a lot, but we want to see Horford and Williams back. We want to see the trickle-down impact on the entirety of the team. The Warriors and the Sixers, of course, we know that Steph Curry is out. Initially, it was like, he's out two to three weeks, and then it's like he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks, and now it's like he's expected to miss a month. I think a month sounds realistic for a subluxation of his shoulder. That seems to be real. So that's ruling him out basically until the end of January or close enough to that. Um, yeah, you're always going to chuck a little bit of extra time on the end of an injury timetable. So he's out. Tyrese Max is still a few weeks away with his foot fracture. Andy Wiggins is also out for the Warriors. While for Philadelphia, De'Anthony Melton missed last game with a back injury. He is questionable. Actually, no, he's not. He's off the injury report. Big news there. And Daniel House is probable. So for the Warriors, with Wiggins out, with Curry out, Poole is going to start, and I think DiVincenzo is the guy here. Clay Thompson will be um, back as well. He missed last game, but I think they'll go Poole, DiVincenzo, Clay. They could go Poole, Clay, Wiggins, Kaminga, and that's a possibility, but I think Kaminga is more of a 4-5 versus a 3-4. So I think you'll get DiVincenzo starting, playing big minutes, and being pretty useful. When Wiggins returns, DiVincenzo does lose some value, but for now, he's worth a grab. And then I want to watch for deeper leagues. When you look at Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, Moses Moody. Um, I want to see what Moses Moody's able to do. I really like Moody as a player. Kerr does not agree with me, and that's fine. He's better than me at this. Um, but 23 minutes last game for him, 19 three games ago. Deeper leagues, 18 team leagues. We'll want to pay some attention here to Moody, and we're going to watch Kaminga as well. 
For the Sixers, D'Anthony Melton should be back and starting. So let's see if he picks back up where he left off. And then I do want to watch Tobias Harris. Um, I think I am a TH. Who? T to the H. Yeah, TH for life. Sorry, I went early on that. Um, so yeah, he's someone that I've been wrong on so far this season. Do the steals maintain? Does his usage maintain? Does his assists maintain? You think he had nine assists last game. He's really surprised me a lot this season. So let's see if he's able to do it again. Nets and Raptors. Brooklyn are one and a half point favorites in this one. Um, Ananobi is out. Achura is out. Otto Porter is out. And Seth Curry is questionable in this game. But we are going to get the return of Royce O'Neal, who's off the injury report after missing the last two games for personal reasons. I want to watch what Ben Simmons we get. He's played 21 minutes and 23 minutes in his two games since returning. Are we back to 30 minutes with Simmons straight away here? And how does he look in those minutes? And then also O'Neal. Like, is O'Neal going to continue to play these 37 minutes a night? Probably. But now they are basically fully whole with TJ Warren pushing up. Yuta Watanabe is back. If Seth is out, it will help O'Neal. But on a fully healthy team, which if Curry plays, they are, where, where does Royce's value lie? For the Raptors, Chris Boucher. I know it's, an, it's annoying, right? We know that Ananobi's out and Achua's out and Porter's out. And two games ago, Boucher played 28 minutes, and then the next game he played 17. So predictability, stick it up your ass. You're never going to get it. Like, it's all over the place. They've got so many other options. They can throw Coloco or Hernan Gomez or Banton or Birch or any other dickhead into that rotation. So I think Boucher still is worth looking at. But play 20 minutes again, mate, and you're gone. Also watch Gary Trent, who I think reasonable people would agree has been relatively poor this season. Nice, Gary! He's probably going to start without Ananobi, but again... 44 minutes against the Magic, 25 against the Kings. Uh, how do you plan for that? His shooting's all over the place. I feel like he's going to turn into a Malik Beasley, Tim Hardaway, points and three streamer who's very inconsistent. He's still holding for now, but it's not looking great, especially when OG returns for where his value lies. Today's episode is also brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for all sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, including basketball, football, college bowl season, and the FIFA World Cup final. The Can't speak. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, like looking at college football bowl games. LSU against Purdue. That's a January 2nd game. LSU are 14-point favorites. Do you agree with that? You can check all the odds for all the college football bowls over at BetOnline. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's go to the next game. It is the New York Knickerbockers and the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are three-point... That can't be right. How the? Surely I wrote that wrong. Are the Bulls' favorite? Fuck, they are. All right, anyway, the Bulls are three-point favorites against the Knicks. Cool. Obi Toppin is out. Lonzo Ball is out, maybe for the rest of the season. Ayo Desumu is questionable with that um, pelvic contusion. I don't think it's going to matter for him. Like, you're not going to use him in 10 or 12 or probably even 14 team leagues. For the Knicks, it's been a really strong run of things from Quentin Grimes. Now, he can be up and down because the usage can be so low. But his ability to bang in threes and get some steals has appeal on your fantasy team. Think of him as a perfect 3 and D glue guy. In a 14-team league, he's definitely a 12. He's, fuck, try again. In a 14-team league, he is a rosterable player. Absolutely right across the board. 12-team league, I think he's there. He's sort of on the border. But there are, much like you know, Desumu, when you play with such low usage, 
if you have even a slightly off night shooting, then there's nothing. You've got to be banging them in at a really high percentage. And it's why low usage big men can get away with it because they nearly always do hit them at a big percentage. Low usage guards and wings, they will have the occasional good night. But if you have a 40% shooting night, then you've got like eight points, one, three, two rebounds and nothing else. Right? That is where that problem lies. And that, that's the Dasumu problem. Starting point guard with 13% usage doesn't get big assists. Well, if he doesn't hit his twos at 63%, he offers nothing. And if Grimes isn't banging in threes at 45% on 15 usage, then the value gets tenuous. I still think he's fine to have as a 12-team league guy, but beware of that. Also watch Emmanuel quickly because they played him 31 minutes last game. Actually, it was like 34 because it was an overtime game. But you're giving him that big playing time, prioritizing over Fournier and Reddish is interesting. I don't trust it like at all, but he's always an interesting stream option. For the Bulls, Alex Caruso. There's value here for specific people. You want assists and steals? Thank you, Alex. I, I really love you. You're a really good bloke and good luck with the rabbits. quiet. I'm hunting rabbits. But if you don't care about that, if you're looking for scoring or you're looking for efficiency, then he's useless on your team. So is he a must-roster player? For that, no. But should he probably be grabbed by someone in your league? Yeah, he should. Five assists and two steals is really useful. And that's what he can bring on a nightly basis. Also watch Patrick Williams, who allegedly was getting benched for Javante Green, and Javante Green comes back, and Williams plays 40 minutes, and Green plays 10. So coaches lying is always awesome. I love it. It's the best thing we can have in the NBA. We should have more of it, in fact. Everyone should just lie all the time. So Williams has at least 14-team league value with some defensive stats stream value for 12s, but let's watch that minute split between Javante and Pat and see if the lying continues. Wolves and Thunder is the next one. Minnesota are one-point favorites. Towns is out. Prince is out. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out. But there's been an interesting addition to the injury report. Rudy Gobert, he sprained his ankle late in the game against the Clippers. He is now questionable. D'Angelo Russell is questionable as well with that knee contusion, while Jordan McLaughlin is out once again. Now, last game with Russell and McLaughlin out, they started Austin Rivers, and you can guess it went predictably poorly. They don't have another point guard. So maybe for 20-team leagues, you'd want to look at Rivers if Russell does, in fact, go out. What would be interesting is if you miss out on a Kongwu or a DiVincenzo, maybe you want to look at Nas Reed because if Gobert is out, which I don't think he will be, but if Gobert is out, Reed is an elite, elite streamer. But we don't know that yet. Jalen Noel also gets a bit of a boost with if Russell is out. Also much Jaden McDaniels, who theoretically should be getting boosts with guys like Russell out and Towns out and maybe Gobert out, but he just does the same nonsense nothingness every game. In a points league, he's really hard to justify as a 12-team league guy. The defensive stats keep him going in, tw- in category leagues, but where's the upside in this bloke? Um, for the Thunder, we know Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out, so we should get another start from the Bronco. Broncos country, let's ride. I really do think he's a 12-team league guy. Upside not there yet, but there's enough floor value. And we also want to watch Darius Baisley because he started last game over Robinson Earl and he put up like 15 points and he can block shots. That's not for everybody. And he can have some really rough percentage nights. But at least in a 14-team league, I think you consider Baisley as a short-term guy. I wouldn't be holding Poku. Nothing good's coming from that. I'm not mass, I'm not rushing to grab Baisley. But some scoring, some field goal percentage, some blocks, there's some appeal in that. Blazers, Mavs. Dallas are three and a half point favorites. We've got the news that Muxy Kleber is out for six to eight weeks. That actually really hurts them. He is very good defensively. And 
yeah, that's 26, 27 minutes out of the rotation. Josh Green's also out, while Gary Payton and Asir Little are out. So what happens with Kleber out? Well, I do think it helps Christian Wood. He played 35 minutes last game, so he might be able to push and play 30 more. I don't know whether he starts or not. He started the second half last game, but there's extra minutes for him. There's probably a little bit of safety in Dorian Finney-Smith, but last game, um, Kleber was out and Finney-Smith played only 25. And Reggie Bullock started the second half over him. So I don't think this means that we want to go grab Finney-Smith. I don't think it means we want to go and grab Reggie Bullock either. But it's something we want to watch. For the Blazers, Anthony Simons was really efficient last game. Yes, it was really helpful. I think it was against the Spurs. And you know, when you're a guard or anyone literally going up against the Spurs, there are opportunities for big games and Simons took advantage of that. So let's watch him. But Josh Hart didn't. He struggled. His minutes have been down a little bit recently, Joshy. And that's somewhat of a concern. I do think he is still a 12-team league guy, pretty clearly. But you know we're always going to reassess that. For the Mavs, let's watch what happens to Christian Wood. Do his minutes go up? Does he improve his performance? And Reggie Bullock, will they make the switch and start him? Or will he be a guy that plays 30 off the bench as a three-point streamer without being a 12-team league guy? Nuggets-Lakers is the next game for us to look at. This is the last game of the day. Mag- Magaporta Jr. is out. Juan Toscano-Anderson is out. Winyan Gabriel is questionable. And I am certain that Anthony Davis and LeBron James will be listed probable. Sure, that'll happen. Um, it doesn't look like Porter's going to be back any time in the next couple of games, but we'll find out. What we want to watch is the five-minute man, Bones Highland, who's really producing at a high level. I think his value as a shot creator is really needed with Porter out, and that's helping his value. I'm not certain that he's going to maintain it full-time rest of season, but we love him for now. I also want to watch Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's getting the 30 minutes, but it's very middling. No reason he can't be a 12-team league contributor. But when you're searching for upside or searching for games played, the streaming value of his spot, I think, is worth more than holding him most of the time. For the Lakers, Russell Westbrook. Now, it's a great example of some of the things that happen in people's minds. Last game, Westbrook played, what, 36 minutes or so? So immediately I got the comments, man, Westbrook is back. Let's go. Let's go. Conveniently ignoring that he played 21 minutes the game before that. That was great that he played. And he, he played really well, really good defense against the Celtics. But... Does one game indicate you are back? I wouldn't say so, right? Because again, we look at this after the Pistons. go, well, he's washed. Cut him. He's out of the league. When in the end, the reality somewhere fits in the middle. He probably still is a 12-team league guy. Almost definitely is a 12-team league guy. But we're always worried about where the percentages take us. And then we want to watch Lonnie Walker. Hello. I do not believe Lonnie Walker is a 12-team must-roster player. Maybe he proves me wrong, but things are going south. He has been under 30 minutes in four of his last six games. I think the 21 minutes he played last game was probably on the low side. He's not going to stick that low, but his production just isn't there. And I don't really see him being a 12-team league guy. Let's look at some back-to-back streams for Friday, Saturday. I really like um, Jalen Williams, back-to-back for the Thunder, obviously. So Darius Bays is in the mix. I've got Kevin Love there, but I don't know that he plays both games, but the the Cavs do. Lamar Stevens, Drew Eubanks, Portland's got the back-to-back. Dorian Finney-Smith, you can throw in even Dwight Powell for deeper leagues. You can throw in Reggie Bullock in there for that back-to-back as well. Aaron Wiggins with the Thunder. Oh, and I've already got Dwight Powell on the list. If we're just streaming for Friday's action, Jalen Williams, Dante DiVincenzo, pretty clearly the big ragu. We add him. Quentin Grimes, I think he probably is pushing to 12s. Pat Williams, Thad Young, who started last game for the Raptors but didn't do much. But starting Thad Young is at least worth a look. Alec Burks, if Dwayne Casey goes that direction again. Baisley and Quickly. Deeper leagues, these guys are all available in over 90%. You've got Thad, you've got Baisley, Schroeder, Jalen Johnson, Aaron Neesmith, who'll probably start again. Timothy John McConnell, Terrence Davis, especially if Herder is out. 
and Lamar Stevens. And for points leagues, these guys are all available in over 50% of leagues. Anika Okongwu, must grab him, must add player. Kyle Anderson, must add player. Darius Baisley, mm, stream. Malik Monk, must roster. Markel Fultz, yeah, yeah sure. I, I can't get my head around it. Mo Wagner, probably, yeah. Jalen Williams, yes. And Chris Boucher, worth a look as well. Let's look at the next five days. We've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. The only high-volume game is on Friday with 10 games. So we do have some streaming value. So who are the guys that we're going to take advantage of? Walker Kessler, he should be rostered everywhere. And he's got three low-volume days in the next five games. Next three low-volume games in the next five days. That's what I'm trying to say. Add him. Tory Craig's got three as well. There's value in that. Monte Morris. Yes, Bill might return, but... Morris's value over the next five days with three low-volume days, three low-volume games is worth having. Kyle Anderson, he's only got two low volumes, but I don't care. He should be rostered. Same with Larry Nance. Denny Abda is going to lose value when Beal comes back, but the fact that the Wizards play those three quality games over the next five nights is useful. Dan Gafford, the same. Porzingis might be back. He might not be. But there are three quality games in there. So even if he's only playing 17 minutes, it's 51 minutes almost minimum that Gafford's going to give you on low-volume days over the next five nights. And then Bruce Brown with the two games there as well. If we just look at the next five days in totality, Okongwu's only got two games over the next five days, but he should be rostered. His value is high enough that you have him and you start him. Kyle Anderson's got three, have him and start him every night. Larry Nance has got two, have him and start him. Bruce Brown's got three, probably startable most nights. And Bones Highland has three as well, close to startable. These other guys, Kessler, Grimes, and McDaniels, there's three games for those guys over the next five nights. It helps that Kessler's three games are on low-volume day, so that makes him useful. Grimes doesn't have exactly that. He's got two games, so he's not maybe startable in all of them. But if you want to get an advantage of teams that play three games in the next five nights, you've got a Jaden McDaniels ad, you've got a Quentin Grimes ad there as well. I hope all of that helps you guys. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, you know what to do. Please thumb it up. Please leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.